Podcast host, commentator, former Welsh international and former Baggies legend Andy Johnson. Welcome to the Baggies broadcast. How's it going, pal? You got a good little setup there? Yeah, I'm not bad, mate. I'm on the pool table in a pub called The Swan in uh, Norwich. <laughs> the ideal location for a, for a podcast. <laughs> Say no more. Say no more. Say no more. Well, cheers for coming. Very obliging. She's turned the music down a little bit. It's still there, but I like it. It's nice. We're rolling. Yeah, there's a bit of Florence and the Machine blaring in the background there. So, luckily, the, we've got them to turn it down so we can bring you plenty of Albion chat. AJ, cheers for coming on. Um, what's it like to be on a rival podcast? Well, you're not really a rival, to be honest, are you? <laughs> I mean, you know, let's, let's not be around the bush. I mean, you've probably got about four viewers. I mean, I've probably doubled your viewing already tonight. On a, good, on, on a good day, AJ, I reckon. Cool. So, um, yeah, you know, you know, I don't really see you as rivals to a podcast, to be honest. Ours is obviously, you know, <laughs> look, we, we've got a studio with recording, you know, <laughs> materials. You're obviously sat in your bedrooms, probably, <laughs> and, and I'm in a pub in Norwich. So. Di- difference in budgets, we're like, we're, we're, we're <laughs> National League, aren't we? National League come North. On, come on, difference in budgets. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yours is bigger than ours, probably. <laughs> Anyway, cheers for going on, mate. We're going to go right back through you. Well, we're going to briefly touch on your sort of how you came to to Albion and how your how your Albion career went, what happened after, and obviously you're still massively involved with the club and, and really well loved at the club. Um, so we'll start. I'll, I'll start with the first half, and Lewis will be in with the second half of the question. So just on your journey from football, as you know, you know I've, I've heard you on podcasts before, but right, thinking sort of when you were growing up as a youngster, it was rugby as well as football. Yeah, when I was a kid at school, yeah, um, I had to make a choice to play um, rugby or football, basically. I got picked for Bristol Boys football and Bristol Boys rugby, and they both played on a Saturday morning, so I had to make a decision, and I picked football because my dad and my brother liked it, really, so I actually preferred rugby, which, you know, having seen my career now, you probably realise I played football the way I did. <laughs> what was it, okay? Do you reckon you could have made it as a, as a rugby player if you played at that level? Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Well, I really enjoyed all sports, to be honest, apart from cricket. I wasn't a massive fan on cricket. Um, I can't yeah. imagine they have much patience in the field, to be honest. No, cricket. it was the dressed in white thing that I didn't like too much. <laughs> Plus, I got banned from playing in school for locking little Lee Giles in the box, you know, where he kept all the equipment. So, uh, <laughs> I never used to get much practice in that. But, uh, but yeah, it was, um, you know, I was quite all-rounder, really, with sport. Um, but yeah, rugby and football were my main two. Yeah, yeah. What? Um, so when it comes to that decision, was it tough for you to make, even though you, it was what your dad and your brother sort of were into? Or to be honest, I was about eleven, so not really. No. No. Um, it worked out all right as well. You know what I mean? So it, uh, yeah. it was probably the right choice to make. Yeah. Was, was, was rugby? Sorry, uh, Johnny AJ. Was rugby big on the curriculum then down there? Then would that be? Oh, that Bristol. Have... Yeah. Our, yeah. Yeah. Bristol, our school. Our school never had a football team. You know, we, we just didn't play football. It was. We had a rugby rugby team, and I played football for like a local team on the Saturday. But yeah, our school only played oh. only played rugby. Really, I mean, we never had a football team. Yeah, interesting. And then you obviously you know went on Norwich Forest. Um, I believe Norwich is where you first come across your uh, your your first West Brom gaffer, Megson. Yeah, Mego. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm back here now. I'm trying to find him. He owes me a fiver. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um. It was a, a fantastic. I mean, I started travelling up to Norwich when I was the age of about uh, twelve, something like that. And I used to travel every weekend um, from Bristol, leave school on a Friday, get on the train. And I mean, the first time I did it, twelve years old, I'd never been out of Bristol before. And um, my mum had packed me a suitcase. That you'd have thought I was going away for from a month. Um, and I come off the train in, uh, in on Paddington uh, Street Station, and it was rush hour in London. I'd never been to London before. And I've now got across the underground on my own, and I'm 12 years old with a case I can hardly carry. It was uh, it's probably something that wouldn't happen nowadays. Um, but you know, it was great, and I soon learned that I could sneak most of the way and just paid a pound over the underground, and I, you know, cut the expenses most weeks. So it was, uh, yeah, I was earning pretty good though even back then. Doesn't surprise me in the slightest, <laughs> that AJ. Um, so from there, you know, when you you've done well at Norwich. Um, what was it like, you know, obviously Megson brought, Gary Megson brought you to West Brom, but what, what was your, like, did you get on with him when you, because was he a player still at Norwich when you were yeah, coming through? Into, I think we signed him from, um, I think Everton, I think we signed him from, or it might be Man City. Um, yeah, he was decent, to be fair, he was all right. He used to call me a stuntman, you know, if it was a bit cold or wet, he uh, he wouldn't play and I'd play instead. Well, if you've ever been to Norwich, it's usually wet and cold, so 
Um, I played most of the time in front of him, but that was his excuse. Um, but yeah, good lad, great lad. And then eventually became the manager, went on to become our manager, like, you know. Yeah, and then you went went to Forest, and obviously did really well at Forest. You know, didn't end. Am I right? Think it didn't sort of end massively well. There is that when the Albion interest first started surfacing, sort of early early two thousand two thousand one. Yeah, time. yeah. I mean, I I was at Forest. We got promoted the first year. Um, we were never going to stay up. Quite similar to the circumstances they're at now, I would say. You know, they're, they're, they're struggling. I think this year to stay up. Um, bit different to ours. We sold all our best players, whereas. Uh, all their best players went back on from because they were on loan spells um, and they've had to bring in 20 odd players um, and it's difficult for them to, to gel you know such such a huge amount of signings to gel on and off the pitch um, and we were very similar you know and uh, we struggled and we got relegated and like I said I was there for four years and then Paul Hart took over and for some reason me and him never saw eye to eye he walked in and the first day said you'll never play for this club again um, I was captain at the time and I went okay no problem then let me go on a free and he said, no, we're not going to do that, um, which they did. You know, if you know me, you know my character. Um, I got my free transfer to come the end. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a horrible way to leave. Um, but, you know, I was still young and I still had a lot of football to play. Then Mego phoned me. Well, it was Frank Burroughs, actually, bless him, that did phone me up. I thought it was a dirty phone call for a bit because he's very broad Scottish. And he's like, hello. And I was like, who's this? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he said, oh, Gary wants to talk to you. And Mego said, come and play for me. And I said, no. He said, well, come down and have a chat. So I went down and had a chat. Um, and he sold he sold the, the dream, if you like. He sold what he was trying to do with the football club and, and everything. And uh, I bought into it. And, and I always remember we... When we got promoted, we were champions and we needed a point. Um, and our last game was against West Brom and Marlon Airwood scored the goal and got us a point. And then we were champions that year. And I just remember the atmosphere inside the stadium was electric. And I thought, yeah, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't mind coming down here and playing for these fans, you know. And, uh, and yeah, what a, what a choice I made. I mean, it was incredible. Yeah, when you, when you went in there, I believe it was a, quite a different-looking West Brom in terms of on the pitch and off the pitch than... Uh... Than what it is now, it wasn't even a training ground back then, was there, AJ? No, we didn't. No, we did. We never, we never trained. We just turned up at the ground every day, and then um, it was let's try and find somewhere. If we never, if we never found anywhere to train, we used to go running down. I think it's called Mausol, um, down by the crematorium, down there around the lake and back up, and that was our training. Sometimes we we train on Dogship Park. We used to call it Dogship Park, um, <laughs> you know, which was or Jurassic Park. That was opposite, which is where the academy is now. Um, that was next to the power station and. You know, when it was raining, you could hear all the electrics cracking and stuff like that. It was quite, yeah, quite different to how it is now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. What when you went in there? What you know? What did Gary Megson tell you that the dream was? You know, they survived on on well, not the last day, but late on in in the season. I think it might have been the last day of the previous year. You know, obviously you went and got promoted. But when you went in there, I'm sure you weren't thinking in your head, oh, "I'm going to get, I'm going to be in the Premier League next season with West Brom." Well, what what was the the, the goal? Well, I, 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 I kind of did and I didn't, you know, I, I didn't quite know what to expect, but, you know, I, I knew Mego and I knew his character and when he sets his mind to something, he, he was, you know, he, he succeeds generally. Um, so when he was talking to me about what his plans were, I, I, I bought into it and I believed what he was telling me was, was to be done, you know, and, and I did, uh, you know, I had a contract um, and, and I had a clause in there to say that we got promoted into Premier League, it was torn up and so I did actually believe and bought into what he was saying, like, you know, so... Yeah. It was um, it was one of those sort of times in in, in my career that it was a bit of a gamble, um, but it wasn't a gamble, if you know what I mean. And and as it turned out, it was probably the, well, it was probably it was definitely the best thing I ever did. Yeah, Albion fans will pull me up. It wasn't the previous season they stayed up. It was the season before that they got in the playoffs the year before. Before yeah. you hey, went there, and it, lads, can I, uh, AJ, I was um, you, you mentioned the gaffer at your previous club before you left for for the Albion and um and, and came in and just in football, you know, you don't see eye to eye within within a minute. It's like you'll never play for me, you'll never play to us. I think some fans yeah. might be surprised to surprised to hear that, you know, in in professional game, just how managers make a split decision like that despite not seeing you. I mean, well, it, it happens. Well, I mean, Paul yeah. Hart, was, Paul Hart was part of the academy at uh, Forest, um, so he had seen me, knew of me. Um, you know, I, I don't think I slept with his missus or his daughter or anything like that. So I'm not sure it was, you know, it was, it was any of those sort of things. But you just, we just didn't get on. And it happens now even in football. You know, yeah. it, it happens not just in football, in every walk of life. You know, you get a new boss comes in and you just don't fancy it. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it, to be fair, most of them will try and keep you 
you know, but at least Paul Hart had the decency to come and tell me you're never playing for the club, go and find yourself something else. Mm. You know, um, and that's what players want, I think, nowadays. It's just honesty. the honesty. Yeah. I mean, it's brutal honesty, don't get me wrong, but, you know, honesty all the same, and that's that's the sort of thing you want. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just that season, just back to that season, Adrian, you started well. You know, the highlight for me, I remember being at this game, you beat Man City 4 0 at home. Yeah. Um, and then. When when in that season did it really look like you could go on and do something? Because the the, the chant that year was the one nil to the Albion because he used to win a lot of games one yeah. nil. But we were so far behind Wolves. Um, you know the. I think we always had like that sort of that self belief with inside the dressing room. You know, and I, and I suppose the longer the season went on and the, the more games we played, um, you know, we, we kind of that grew. Um, and then it was a, it was just pure grit and determination that there was no way that the Dingles were going to beat us. We were going to get there. You know, they booked their promotion party. They were giving it the big and the you know Larry Large licks in the newspapers. And Mego used to bring it in and put it up and say, "See what they're saying about you. See what they're saying about you. They think they've won it already. They think they're up." And that kind of spurred us on. We had we had such a strength in that dressing room. It's something that I've never experienced before in my career. Um, a group of lads that. With that, that sounded disrespectful. We weren't a very talented group. I mean, we, we didn't play attractive football. Um, but what we did do is we gave 100% each game and we played for the shirt and we played for the fans. And uh, and, and we achieved something that I, I don't think will ever be emulated, to be honest with you. Not with that, not with a group of lads like that. I mean, it was just something so, so special. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe when you went 1 0 up, Megson wouldn't let you sort of maraud oh, no, forward and yeah. stay back. Yeah, tin hat, stick the trench and soak it up like a sponge. That was it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it must have been horrendous to watch. I mean, it was horrendous to play in sometimes, but it worked, you know, and, and the fans had bragging rights and they went home happy because we kept winning. You know, all right, it was, you know, Tony Mowbray for me was the best football I've ever seen at the Albion. Um, you know, I've heard about it in the, in the 60s and 70s uh, with, with, with um, you know, the uh, Big Zero and, and, and Bomber and all that lot. It, you know, that was hell of a team in the team of 68. It won the FA Cup and that. Fantastic. Um, but I never, ever watched them. I've seen bits of it. But, you know, since the modern era, I think, you know, the, the, the Tony Mowbray side is probably the best football I've ever seen us play. Because um, it certainly wasn't when I was there. <laughs> it, was, it must have been horrendous. <laughs> What was it like there? You're going for... Sorry, Lou, go on. No, I was just going to say, fans don't care, though, do they? You win no, they the don't. Top of the no, league. they don't. If you're winning, they don't. And, and do you know what all they care about is they care that you're passionate and you, and you love the yeah, football yeah. club and, and you try as hard as you can when you're on the pitch. And my God, did we have a squad of players that would do that in spades, in absolute spades. And if you hit one of us, you hit all of us. And, you know, when we put that shirt on, we went out there to, to play for, for our football club. Yeah. It was ours, you know? And, that, and I say it now, and I've said it before, that season wasn't just about the players on the pitch, it was about the supporters as well. They had just as much to play in, in that promotion season as all the players, all the staff, the tea lady, Mo, you know, Dave, the kit man, Bamba, um, everybody. You know, it was a real collective um, effort from, from absolutely everybody within the club and, and, and from outside the club. Uh, and yeah, without that one, and, and you're only as strong as your, your weakest link, aren't you, I guess? And I know it's a classic, but... Um, you know, we were strong all over the place. You know, the whole, it was ours. The West Midlands was ours that, that, that year. Yeah, what was it like? You know, you're in the middle of the park. You've got three-man mountains in Darren Moore, Phil Gilchrist, Lara Sigurdsson, one side of you. Then you've got <laughs> goal scorers like Jason Wright. I know Jason Wright was injured, but Scott Dobie found the net that season. Danny Dicchio found the net that season. You know, yeah, you must well, have known we, that you'll get goals and you must have known that you're not going to concede them either. Well, we had, like you said, we had goal scorers, um, but we had animals in the back. I mean, you know, Moro and Gilly and Laris were they were horrendous football players. They could only kick a ball between them. Um, and if you had a bad game, we used to say you'd had a sick Gilmore. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I'll tell you a funny story. Once we, were, we used to train on the pitch on a Friday, and uh, the gaffer said, "Right, put the ball down on the on the penny, on the halfway line on the kickoff spot." And he said to Moore, "Right, kick it over Neil Clements' head in left back," and he couldn't do it. <laughs> He tried it about three times, and mate, in the end, we were just falling about laughing. He had to kick it out of his hands or something like that. He uh-huh. wasn't there to put 70 yard breaking balls in. That's the modern day football, and we weren't modern day footballers back then. Um, but like I said, you know, every single one of us brought something to that team, and without that person, we couldn't have gone on to do what we did. Yeah, just um, you mentioned Neil Clement there. He was a sort of favourite of mine in that season when I first started watching Albion. What was. What was he like to play with? Always, he had a cultured left foot. You know, he could right. play centre half or left back, and right. scored some important yeah. goals, didn't he? 
Yeah, good lad. He was he was a great player, and uh, what a, what a wand of a left foot he had. I mean, it really, really was that good. Um, and it could hit a ball. Oh, sorry, bloody hell. I mean, he could he he hit a ball, and it stayed. You know, he did a free kick. Um, you know, penalties that year. I think we missed eight penalties, or we had eight different penalty takers. You know, it was just, just ridiculous. Um, you know, to think that we could miss that many penalties and still win that many games and still get promoted. Just yeah. crazy, but yeah, Clem, Clem was a great player. Great player. Yeah, you had um, you also had a good cup run that season. I think you scored at, at, up at Sunderland to start it all, and did that help? Because I think you got to the quarterfinals, played Fulham, I think, in the quarterfinals. Yeah, yeah, we had a, we had a great cup run. Um, you know, we, we went on and done really, really well. I'm gonna have to move them because people are playing hard, now. I can't hear you. Two sex. Come on, come on, with me. come on, with me. stay there. Right there, you go. I'm outside. Freezing right. cold. Oh, how's that, pal? How's that? how's that, pal? Right, I'll go. I'll go back to that FA Cup question. I will, mate. Um, I can hear you now. Yeah, sounds. Uh, that season as well, AJ. You had a, you know, you had a great FA Cup run. Start at Sunderland. I think you scored a, a header. I think in that in the third round. Um, you know, did that did that cup run sort of complement and help with the the league run as well? Yeah, I think it did. Yeah, definitely. Um, I like the cup. I like the cup runs. I think they're great. I think they can. Uh, I, look, I get and understand why. Um, your bigger teams, they they don't put much emphasis on it, and they play the younger players and stuff like that because there's more important things. But I, I really think that they can help you a good cup run, and and that certainly helped us. We got we did really really well that year. I mean, it, you know, I even scored in it, so it must have been uh, it must be something special. Yeah, just on another goal that season as well. I think it was that year. Scored a cracker against Birmingham, if I remember rightly. Yeah, that was some. Um, Talk to me about that one. It was a cross. <laughs> I think I think that I think that goal's been doing the rounds online recently. I saw a video. Looked like a cracking little dink into the top corner. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, it was kind of one of the. It was a, an educated cross, I think. Is, is probably the best way you'd describe yeah. it. I mean, I put it into an area with my left. I mean, left foot ain't bad, to be honest. I mean, it's uh, it ain't a wand, but um, it, it certainly ain't you know ain't too bad at all. Nah, nah, nah. Um, just moving on, you know, there's there are moments in that season, you know, big games. One of them you were remembered for. Well, it wasn't your nothing to do. With, well, it was to do with you, but sort of it was remembered for the wrong reasons. The old uh, it was a 20 year anniversary this year. The Battle of Bramall Lane. Um, still talked about to this very day. Um, if for, for Albi, younger Albion fans who listen to the Baggies broadcast, the, the only ever game that was called off for a, a lack of players, as Sheffield United had players off injured, sent off. Yeah. AJ, AJ was at the centre of it with with George Santos. Um, when you look back on it, AJ, is it pretty? surreal that it actually happened um yeah i mean it was pretty crazy wasn't it even even back then for uh, for anything like that to happen um yeah i mean me and george obviously had a little bit of history i broke his nose and gave him a double fracture his eye socket the year before he uh, he tried to decapitate me um at bramwell lane um do you know what it, it just i mean i set the first goal up scott Dobie. it was a great flowing move great edit great goal. Derek McInnes probably scored the greatest goal he's ever scored in his career. Um, we won. We were winning, you know, comfortably. Um, they tried to spoil the game. We got three points. We got promoted. You know, we did our yeah. job. And, and that's that's how I see it. That's how I remember it. And that's how I want to think about it. I've spent thousands of pounds on, you know, on, on therapy, trying to, you know, stop the nightmares and, you know, the sleepless nights, worrying if George is in my back garden or you know, and, and, and all the all the baggage fans want to do is keep talking to me about it. <laughs> <laughs> just um, in the, I know you've spoken about it before, but just for anyone who has heard, in the lead up to it, um, it, it has been alleged that Neil Warnock sort of said to George Santos, you're not going to play again, but I know that no, history, I'll stick, stick you on. No, he yeah. said it. 100% he said it. I mean, I was friends with Robert Ullathorne, who, who I was at Norwich with, and, and um, I was told, yeah, 100%, he, he said that, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Um which makes Neil Warnock not a very nice person in my, my eyes, to be honest. Um, but you know what? It's football. And like I said, we got the three points and uh, and, and we went on to, to get promoted. And, you know, that's history, unfortunately, Neil. You know. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, I think he came off in the game. But as it went on, you know, players sent off. Obviously, two sent off there. Patrick Sufo got sent off for headbutt. Yeah, headbutt. McInnes. Injuries. Moro, he was running around with his eyes all wide, going to kill somebody, but he didn't know who to punch first. You know, and uh, <laughs> that was that was the funniest thing we saw on the video. They actually chased us around the airport, chased me around the airport as well. So when he stood by Moro, when we went on a we went on our end of season holiday. <laughs> <laughs> I 
good, uh, good, good bodyguard. Um, but yeah, when that was going on, players going down injured, it, 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 when it started to become like a threat to the game that it wasn't going to complete. Were you sitting in the dressing room or were you on the on the bench or? I, I was. Um, yeah, well, I, I got bought off. Mego thought in his wisdom he'd take me off, and uh, I got walked down the tunnel by Aidy Stabell, who's a fitness coach, and Big George flew at me, um, and Aidy sort of rugby tackled into the ground. So I ran in the dressing room to get a crutch because he's a big boy. And I thought, well, I ain't going to take him on without a weapon. And as I got in there, the police sort of held me in there. And then the police were holding him outside. And thankfully, they kept him out of the dressing room because, yeah, he's a big lad. And I didn't really fancy that. <laughs> oh, no. But, uh, yeah, it all got calmed down pretty quite, pretty quickly. Um, you know, a guy got stretched off. Um, and he's actually a good friend of mine now, Steve. Uh, and we was from a corner and we all saw the stretcher go behind and apparently a, a, a glass or a bottle got thrown and it hit him in the head and he got cut and got stretched off to hospital as well. And sort of years later, I met him and he, he was telling me about his part. And I thought, I remember that from the corner. I seen you get stretched yeah. off behind the goal. So, uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's a shame. And I don't think it ever happened again in football now. Um, but it did. And, you know, like I said, we, we got the three points. I think we're the only team to ever get six points in, in one day. From from uh, from a game because I think they awarded the I think they awarded us the three points on the same Saturday. It was decided on the same Saturday we played and got another three points and got six points on yeah, that because there was a yeah. delay, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah so the, right. the week after. Is that, is that right, Johnny? Then that that's still the only game that the, the only game the, I believe. Yeah, so so I believe. Yeah, but the only game it's the only only game not in the the top flight. This main match of the day as well. Yeah, it was, it, yeah. Yeah. It was on match of the yeah. day, wasn't it? On match yeah. of the day, it was yeah. yeah. Nuts, nuts. And we did actually joke when it was the uh, Clash of the Legends game when you were taking penalties with uh, Bob Taylor. We were hoping that George Santos might be in the Boilerman suit. Um, yeah, well, I'd have put him down like I did the Boilerman suit. So. <laughs> <laughs> just back to the season before, and that bit, I'll just do the, the season after briefly before um, before Lewis comes in. You know, you said there you were chasing down Wolves. The last game of the season, or the second to last, was the Bradford game. Just sum yeah. that one up, you know, just briefly, because we all know the scenes, we remember the scenes. Well, Igor Ballas with a penalty. Like I said, I mean, it was um, Bob Taylor, I thought, I think, gets brought down for the, the penalty. Um, and we'd missed, we'd, have, we'd had eight different penalty takers or, or something like that that season. I mean, you not I, fancy that, one? No, not a chance. No, I, I <laughs> hit an old lady in a five side competition when I was about 12 and knocked her out. And every time I step up and take a penny now, all I see is her little face by the side of the goal. <laughs> you have to have uh, therapy for I'm that like, as I'm well. Like I'm like the golfer. There could be a green, massive green with a tiny pond. I'm hitting the pond instead of the green. So. <laughs> It's not something I've ever wanted to do. It's not something I enjoy doing. And I, I would have had to have taken one, yeah, eventually. But I'm glad Igor stepped up, to be honest with you. Yeah. And then you go into the last game. Also, you've chased down Wolves. It's in your hands. Um, you were mentioning there about the, the articles that Megson would, would bring in and show what they're saying about you. I, was there one from... I, I don't know if I'm... This is a wrong memory. Was it one from Clinton Morrison? Because I know Clinton Morrison no, had said Clinton, something in the press. Yeah. Said something. I, don't, I, I think Clinton might have been on Sky getting interviewed or something, and he said something about, uh, "Yeah, do it. Don't let them go up," or something like that. And when we played, and Moro said to him in the dressing room, he says, "Yeah, if you want to make the World Cup, you keep yourself quiet today," or something like that. I, I didn't quite hear it. There was that much going on in the tunnel that day. Yeah. I mean, the, the the roof was coming off the stadium. I mean, it was just something else. Really, really was something else. Yeah, and you know, I was in the ground that day. You know, Albion were never losing. Albion were never not going up that day. When it when no. it sort of when it happened, they, you know, was it was it one that you could scarcely believe? Because I believe you didn't even have promotion bonuses in your contracts. No, there was no promotion bonuses. No, because you know usually there would be something like that, but you know nobody ever believed it. It would happen. To be honest with you, it was, uh, there was no champagne to celebrate. Um, there was nothing organised. It was just the most surreal thing in the world. I, th I think I went home. Um, I, I, I probably bought all the champagne down the pub, ordered the whole Chinese menu from the thing, and there was my mum and dad were there, and, and I was probably in bed for about past ten because yeah. I was exhausted, both mentally and physically exhausted. I mean, to to win promotion, it, it's you've got to be consistently the best week in, week out, sort of you know Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, whatever you want to call it. Um, but you've got to continuously do that, sort of yeah. day in, day out. And that's physically difficult, but mentally, to, to especially in the championship, because it's two games a week, three games a week, you've got to be mentally prepared for each one of those. And, and that's tough. That is tough. Yeah. Um, 
was the club, was it a case? Do you think you know? Obviously, the next season you battled, but you come down. Was the club even on and off the pitch? Not really. It wasn't really prepared to go up to the, no, set, God, the Premier no. League. No, it wasn't prepared at all. It wasn't prepared at all. And that's you know, we we went down and then we yo-yoed. Um, we yo-yoed a, a couple of times. Um, then the Great Escape. Um, and then we kind of established ourselves. You know, we'd done it. We we'd had the parachute payments. We got the promotion payments. And then all of a sudden we became an established Premier League side. Up into the point, you know. We got relegated again, you know, a few years, but we were up there for five, six, seven, eight years, something like that. Yeah. Um, and that's established, you know. And then you always know when you're established when beginning of the season, the punters ain't, you know, the pundits aren't saying, oh, yeah, they'll go down. You know, they're not mentioning you anymore. And you think, oh, yeah, do you know what? That's because we're a good side, you yeah. know. And we were, like I said, Tony Mowbray, I think, is the best football I've ever seen us play. I mean, I remember watching us against Arsenal. Um, and that's when Arsenal were a proper side. Well, they are again now, but they've had a bit of a dip in form over the years. Um, and we played Arsenal off the park. I mean, we played some superb football. You know, I'm, I'm really, really superb football. Yeah. Just going back to um, that season when you went up, I think it was 2 3 I'm going to ask you about two signings you made that summer. Uh, one was Jason Kumas, and the other yeah. one was a good mate of yours, Sean Gregan. Um <laughs> So we'll start yeah, with Gregan. Very different. <laughs> different characters, yeah. Gregan, um, character. I'm sure you've got some stories about him and stories about that sort of team because the camaraderie must have been fantastic. Well, I, we, we played Bolton and I broke my toe and we were supposed to be meeting up with Wales and I said I ain't get, I couldn't go. So the lads were going off to Spain and I, I said I ain't going. And Mego coming and says you go in. He said just go in. I went I ain't going, Gaffer. I said not a chance. I said I'm pissed off. I said I'm, I'm gonna go fishing down Devon. And he said, no, no, you're coming, just entertain the lads. So I went, and God, did I entertain them. I took Griggs out for a night out. But bearing in mind, I got a broken toe. We got in about, I don't know. But Derek McInnes was just getting up for breakfast, and I was rooming with Derek. And Griggs was rooming with Big Moro. So I said to Dell, I went, I'll come down to breakfast with you. And I had a cafeteria, a couple of cafeterias of coffee, bite to eat. And I'm ready, like, you know, not ready for anything, because I wasn't doing anything. I couldn't train or anything. So Moro's come down for breakfast. He's gone, Jono, Jono, this is... Uh, what you done to Griggs? What you done to Griggs? Like, and I went, what do you mean? He went, Jono, Jono, you got to come in. I said, what's wrong? He said, I heard a thump like that at the door. So he's at the spy hole and he's like trying to look through. Can't see anything. Then two minutes later, he can hear, what? What? Get your hand off me. Griggan, what? Get your hands off me. So he's opened the door and Griggs is the geezer who works at the hotel reporter trying to help Griggs up. And he's getting, get your hands off me. Trying to find out who he is and where he's staying. So when I get up to the room, Griggs is sat up in bed and he's green, and I mean green, and he's trying to talk to his missus on the phone <laughs> and explain why he ain't called her all night or something like that. But mate, and I'm just wet myself laughing. So then we go to training then, um, and the lads are zimming balls at him, like, you know, and he can't control them. And he's still looking at his foot, and the ball's gone under his foot, and he's still looking at it, like, thinking, well, where's it gone? Oh, mate. And then, yeah, then Frank gave us a right bollocking. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that was... Yeah, you know, contrasting, you signed, you know, but just on Gregan, sorry, when he was there, he was captain, you know, was he good to, to, to play alongside, you know, to yeah, play great. under? Anyway, again, he was a big character um, and, a, and a real good lad, you know, really, really good and good player, to be fair to him. Yeah, good player, probably, I wouldn't call him the Jan Mulby of his, of his era, but he couldn't move a lot like Jan, um, but yeah, he was decent on the ball. Yeah, yeah, and then on the, on the flip side of that, you signed... Jason Kumas and that's oh, okay. a completely yeah. different character. Jason was the, the, probably one of the most gifted, naturally gifted players I've ever played, played with. I mean, he, he really, really was a super football player. I mean, looking back now on his career, I mean, I look back on my career and I think, yeah, you know, you, you did well for the ability you had and everything like that. You had a good career. I think Jason could have gone on. He could have played in the top 14. He could have played Champions League football. I mean, he was that good um, had he applied himself correctly. Um, and I, I think he'd probably look back with a little bit of regret, well, he should do, um, because he was that good. He was a talented, talented kid, um, you know. But uh, look, you know, it takes all sorts. But what a player! What a player! Yeah, he seemed quite a quiet character. You know, what, yeah. how, did he, how did he get on in that dressing room with, with the likes of you and Gregan? And he got on all right. He got on all right. You know, he kept himself to himself. He had a bit of banter. He used to knock about with Joe, um, the goalkeeper, um, the number two. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, everybody got on with everybody. That was the beauty of the dressing room. If you didn't get on with anybody, then, you know, you kind of got weirded out a little bit, you know. So, yeah, every, everybody got on really, really well with everybody else. 
Yeah, and just in terms of, you know, he's a character that fascinates a lot of people. You know, there's been articles written about him. People have tried to track him down um, and stuff with Kumas, and his career is a bit of a bit of an enigma. You know, what, what do you think? You're finding Osama Bin Laden than phoning Kumi, I'll tell you that now. <laughs> what, um, what, do you, what do you think, you know, that's that season, in particular, I remember the, the, the season after when you went back up, he was sensational in that campaign. What, yeah. you know, what? why do you feel he didn't go on to and have that? that next level, you know, even Steven Gerrard's talking about him being in his league in terms of being a player. Um, I just think he just didn't apply himself correctly. I mean, like I said, he'll, he'll probably look back over his career and, and he should have regrets because he was that good. He, he could have played Champions League football. You know, there were, there were rumours of him going somewhere. He just, he had all the ability in the world, but he didn't want to do the other side of the game. And unfortunately, you know, you've got to have both sides of that game to, to, to play at the top level. You look at Gerrard and, and Lampard and those sort of players, they can play, but my God, do they work hard and they track back and, and they do all the, all the other sides of the game, whereas Jason didn't. And, you know, we're probably partly responsible for that because because he was that good, we allowed him not to, you know? And as much as you shout at him and say, oh, get back in here, you little git, or, you know, where's you track your runners and stuff like that? He got away with it because he was that good go in the other way we'd give him the ball and he'd go and do something magical and, and we're probably a little bit guilty and letting him get away with that yeah that's oh, an interesting certainly an interesting insight um i'm going to skip over that season because you went back up i think i'm second to, to to norwich i think that season it was a similar sort of story yeah. to the the season when you went up first time um you're in the premier league you go and sign a few more players sign uh canu comes in now what was it like with Cano in there because we heard he's, he's one that features heavily on a lot of different podcasts just because there's funny stories about him you know what was it like when he walked through the door and what was well, he, he was like on a, he was on another level to everybody else we couldn't play with him in the same team because he'd be doing stuff that nobody understood I mean you know and we all knew that trick he had where he sort of drag it and put yeah. it through your legs but you couldn't stop it even though you knew it was coming you know and he, he, he was a, he was another level and that was probably at that point is when the club sort of took off you know like I said to you before we yo-yoed a couple of times um, and then we signed Carnu and everyone's like, wow, Carnu, you know, where's that come from? And all of a sudden then you're attracting them sort of players and the level goes up, the dressing room go- level goes up. And if you're not moving up in that direction, you're being left behind, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Carnu for me was probably the first signing that we made that kind of put us on the map of, yeah, we're serious. We, you know, we're, we're going to be Premier League. Um, for a few years here, we're going to stabilise the football club, and we're going to get in there, and we're going to stay in that division, and and, and we did, you know, and uh, and Carney was probably the start of that. Do you know, AJ? Just I don't know if Johnny was going to ask on that, but I was going to pick you up on that. You you experience with those promotions, presumably the club changing, the club going from yeah, yeah. like they probably didn't. didn't well, it's not just the club that changes; it's the it's the supporters that change as well. All of a sudden, there's expectation. You know, you're expected to win. Whereas before it's, oh, we hope we win. Yes. Such and such. Now it's, you've got to win. So with expectation, there comes pressure, you know, and and, and some players can't handle that pressure. It's, it's easy to play in a team that aren't expected to do well. You know, you, you go and play against, you know, if you're the underdog, it's easy to go and play. How many times do you see a team go one down or two down and then all of a sudden they start playing because they're free and there's mm-hmm. no pressure? The diff- most difficult thing in football, and this is where a lot of players struggle, is that pressure at the beginning. When you're expected to go and do something, you've got to have that. Um, you've got to set your stall out, and you, you've got to have that single-mindedness to say and be brave. You know, and, and bravery is not necessarily sticking your head in because it's going to get kicked or going in for a tackle, and you know, putting your, your, your wearing your heart on your sleeve. Sometimes bravery is having a ball played into you, and you show him for that pass when you don't really want it. You know, and you've got to be brave in that situation. You've got to have the ball because you're helping your teammate out. You know, and you've got to then deal with that. And, and, and from time to time, you lose it. But you've got to be brave and you've got to be strong. And, and that's the difference with expectation. There, there comes that, that next step. And you've got to be able to bring players in. I mean, I've seen world beaters in training, you know, and, and, I've, and I've, I've played in lower leagues and stuff like that. And I've seen some great players. And the difference between them and the ones who play at the top division is they can't handle the pressure. And that's it. You know, when, when, when it's on the line and you're expected to deliver it, you've got to be able to deliver it. If you can't, and you can't handle the pressure and you shouldn't be in the game. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Um, that season started, a couple of results. I think you drew the first three games and then this was the great escape season. And then it was Megson went. 
you know, you were you 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 obviously liked playing under Megs and AJ, but was it time for him to go? Or? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, no, it was. I think Mega took this as far as he could. I spoke Mega's a mate of mine. I spoke to him afterwards, and he said, um, you know, he would have liked to have changed and evolved, but he was very single, uh, one-dimensional. Is probably the best way of putting Mego, uh, and and for what he did for the club was was tremendous. But it was time for him to go, and it was time for somebody else to come in. And to be honest with you, the bloke that came in was uh, uh, he was my childhood hero, really, Brian Robson. Um, and even to this day, I mean, not tactically the best manager I've ever played under, but as a man manager, of managed men, he's he's the best I've ever worked for. He was absolutely superb. Um, he knew how to handle. You can imagine, right? You've got twenty five children and that's what we were you know petulant children now the only the only ones that are happy at that 25 are the 11 that are starting so you've got 14 players that ain't happy now your job is to keep them happy because that's the difficult part you know and he did it so so well um you know and and he and he had a great you know he had Nigel Pearson around him as well Nigel was great uh but between them but Brian was yeah he was something else very 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 special with that yeah, results-wise, it didn't start massively, no, massively didn't, no. well, didn't it? No, he didn't know because we were bottom at Christmas. Um, you know, but uh, again, there was a belief there and, and some of the signings we made. Who did we make the, the young lads from... Um, I mean, I got injured at Christmas, January, I think it was, against Fulham and that was my season done, um, which is probably why we did the great skate, to be honest with you. <laughs> no. Um, but then we we, we made um, who was the young lad from Man United? Kieran, Richard, Richardson. Kieran Richardson. Yeah. Obviously, Robbo had pulled some strings at Man United, and we got him. It never really happened for him afterwards, which surprised me. You know, yeah. once that great escape season, we never really heard of him again. Um, but wow, will he be remembered in the hearts of all the Albion fans? Because I think he was absolutely superb. And then you had Kevin Campbell who came in. Um, you know, again, we could attract because of Brian and because of Carnu and some of the signings we had made. We were able to attract the big the big players who could play with the pressure and the yeah. expectation of, of staying in that division. Yeah. And then, you know, you brought them players in and I believe there was a famous, um, a famous trip to Florida where not much training was done. Well, I was in hospital. See, I wasn't on this trip. Oh, no. And the lads are phoning me and they're on a swing in some, I won't say strip club, or it was probably a swing in a park somewhere, but there was bottles <laughs> of Budweiser. And I just, I'd had about the third operation on my knee and I, I was oh, injecting, no. the. they give you a little button in hospital and you keep hitting it and they, more morphine comes into you. And I got like Jonathan Green and go, hey, where are you? You should be here. And I'm going, I'm on morphine. Leave me alone. And it was, uh, but yeah, there wasn't much training that went on there. But uh, that was what it was about, Robbo. You know, don't think for one moment because the lads were out there having a good time. That was about getting them together, just taking the pressure off, releasing everybody's tensions. And he would have been talking to them. They'd have had lots of meetings um, and, and they would have jailed and bonded. And, and you know, they come back and wow, what a transformation. Yeah. Was there any other any other famous away trips you can uh, you think of preseason trips and trips? Millions. Yeah, any 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 that you can tell to we'll our family to, audience? We'll have to read my book that's coming out once you know <laughs> once I've left the country. <laughs> no, I'm not telling you any other stories. No. <laughs> I imagine knowing you, yeah, they would be a bit too PC for our uh, our family yeah. audience. Yeah. Um, but just and then just finally, you know, the Great Escape. You're injured, but. I imagine you were pretty much kept around that, judging you know what, what you said about Robson. And this, is, this is what I meant by with Brian. Um, you know, mo- when you were when you were injured at a football club, you got left out. Nobody spoke to you. You were just in a dark room with a physio rubbing your leg most of the time. Whereas Brian came to me and said, "Look, I want you around the place. I want you around the lads." He says, "You know, just bring you, just bring you your character." He said, "I want you just to be." So I used to travel to all the games. Once the lads went to bed, I'd come down and sit with the staff and have a couple of beers. Um, and, and, and it was brilliant for me because I felt so much a part of it. Even though I wasn't playing, I just I was kept around it and, and, and kept very much a part of it. So, yeah, it was. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, you can see clippings at the end of the, the game. Um, you know, the, the, I'm jumping about, you know, like a like a young kid because, yeah, he, like I said, incredible man. Yeah. But a lot of beers that night. Well, one or two. I had a lot of beers that day, I think. <laughs> I think me, 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 me and uh, I can't remember who was who, who it was. Now we were up in the lounge, having a having a couple of uh, couple of drinks whilst watching the game. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Coxie, I'll bring you in for that and to, to to take the next part the the following season. Yeah, yeah. Andy, after the highs of the crescendo of how that finished, I'm interested by that summer and a bit of change, wasn't there? But how? How was how do you remember that summer being viewed, you know, from from the club side of it, from the player side of it, going again? 
Um, I don't know if I'm not, if I'm totally honest. I'm not sure. I had a, a mixed emotions because my time was coming to an end at Albion. You know, it was. You could feel it. I, I wasn't. I should have retired to be honest with the injury I had, but you just want to carry on. You know, so kind of mixed emotions for me personally as a, as a club, as a football club. It, you could just see it taking off and evolving. You know, yeah. it really was developing into this monster that we knew it was going to become. The fans, the fan base was there, you know, and the, the, the expectation were there, the players were there, and it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But from a personal point of view, it was kind of, uh, you could tell it was, you know, I knew it, my time was over and, it, you know, I was over the edge of that and I was on the downslope of my career. I mean, I was 30, 31, I think, and obviously my knee was shot to pieces and, uh, but again, you know, I still played a few games that season, um, you know, and I was still very much part of the squad. But yeah, it was it was a bit of a bit of a sad time for me personally. But yeah, I mean, you know, I've always I'm an Albion fan now. I've I've been since I joined the club in 2001, and uh, it was great to see it take off and become this monster of a football club that we knew it could be. Yeah, and I suppose that season went how people wouldn't have wanted to go, and 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 the club went down <coughs> for yourself. Did uh, presumably, from what you just said there, you knew it would probably be your your last one there. Yeah, um, I did. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. did. Yeah, I mean, my contract was up um, anyway. Yeah, there was no way they were going to renew it. Um, you know, so I knew I was moving on. Um, obviously, it didn't stop me giving everything I had when I was asked to to, to perform. But um, oh, sorry, I just got attacked by a moth. I think <laughs> that was a, a bat. <laughs> <laughs> you you were uh, you touched to Johnny about playing. You know, playing under one of your childhood heroes, which which must have been unbelievable. I mean, just just sum that up as a whole for us. You're playing well, under you Brian Robson. I mean, wow. You can, yeah. I mean, it was just something so so special. I mean, uh, I had two really, and it was Brian Robson and Peter Reid. Um, you know, and I mean, Robert was just Captain Marvel, wasn't he? You yeah. know, he, you just remember him in the World Cup. You know, with his arm in a sling, and you know, he's a, you know, it's just he it was just something else. It was like a, you know, it was like Christmas. Your birthday and Easter all rolled into one. It was it was really 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 surreal and and just really special. Yeah, talk to us about the the, the squad that season, how it had maybe changed a little bit from the season before. And I mean, without looking off, knowing off the top of my head, how how did the the finale of that season go? Was was there a shimmer of light in 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 trying to stay up once more, or was it was the writing on the wall? Do you think? Oh yeah, I think the writing was on the wall, and um and and I, I think the right it was tired. It's, probably the best way I could say the squad squad was tired it yeah. needed freshening up everything needed to be freshened up including obviously the manager as well um, you know but uh, yeah it's it's a sad end but you know what you, you sometimes in the winter the, the leaves fall off the trees to allow more leaves to come and, and grow bigger and stronger don't they you know um, and, and that's just the way I look at it yeah yeah you mentioned you were obviously out of contract and at, at a certain age of Presume it was a very amicable ending. There were, you know, there were no uh, very much shake, shaking hands and uh, see what's next. Great ending, great ending. And I'm I'm back at the football club now, working there, you know, and that's how good an ending it was. It was, Absolutely. it wasn't really ending. It was a, it was a, the beginning. It was like I said, you know, it was a rebirth of me being back at the football club. Really, I finished my career and I came back, as so many other players do. Um, you know, look at Bro- uh, Monty, Monty, <laughs> Bruntley, Mozza now. I mean, you know, they're both yeah. back at the back at the club and and that's the beautiful thing about the football club is it's um it's a family you know and uh and and when you finish playing there that's not the end of your your time there not necessarily you know there's opportunities to to go on and do whatever it is you want to do there you know they chose that I chose to go down the the other the other path um so yeah it's fantastic club fantastic do you feel um do you feel fortunate to have that with Albion because not uh, not, not many players out there Get it? Do they? You know, they might get it with their local club. It obviously it wasn't the, the club you were. Yeah, I do. With. Yeah, yeah, I do. It's 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 very precious to me, um, and I, and I love doing it. And and you know, I, people come up to me now and say, oh, "I love listening to you on the commentary. You're really passionate." I'm passionate because I'm a fan, you know, and that, that's the bottom line. You know, it's my club as well now. Um, you know, and I get upset when we don't win, and I get upset when I I see things that I don't like and, and stuff like that. I can't necessarily always say it because I'm on the radio. Um, you know, but but it's true. Um, you know, I'm just very very lucky that you know I'm there and I'm in a position where you know I'm I'm working at the club. It's uh, it's a very very privileged, very privileged. 
Yeah, and just a couple on your obviously your post Albion playing days, starting with with Leicester before Barnsley. Obviously, if you could, uh, yeah, just give us a snapshot into how those went. Well, I went to Leicester. Um, I obviously, you know, made a mark because they won the Premier League a couple of years after. <laughs> <laughs> you started the ball rolling. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, I, what can I say? It's not. I don't say it. I mean, that's just what the Leicester fans say. That and along <laughs> the lines of I was the worst signing they've ever made. Something like that, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, Leicester was great. Rob Kelly signed me. Rob's just a terrific guy, very, very knowledgeable football man. Um, great guy. Um, didn't go great at Leicester, to be honest. Um, but then I couldn't move. And then I went to Barnsley, and if I'm honest, it didn't go great at Barnsley either, you know. And, and unfortunately, my career, I made it to 35, but I kind of stumbled over the line. Yeah, yeah. Was it? And obviously, you've spoke about your injuries. You said earlier you, you could have retired a couple of years earlier. Did, did you want to? Did you want? You wanted to carry on as a player. Oh, can I, I need to go to the loo. Is that all right? Can you just? Hold yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, sir. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no worries, mate. No worries. Right, while AJ goes to the toilet and probably after goes and tops his pint up at the bar, we'll bring you an advert. As you know, Baggy's broadcast is brought to you in association kindly with the Kettle and Toaster Man, the graded product specialist. Um, and we're getting towards the festive period now, so you've got to start thinking, well, you're leaving it a bit late now, but you want to start thinking about what you can get your loved ones for Christmas. And I've got a perfect gift here for you, a Lavazza Mini Cafe White Brand new coffee machine. I've probably pronounced that wrong. All four, wait for it, just £55. And with that, you get an integrated magnetic induction milk frother, easy to load capsule, and a stop and go button for easy control. You could be having a fantastic, lovely coffee from your new coffee machine on Christmas morning. So head over to the Kettle and Toaster Man um, for that and a range of products that they offer. And you know, you could fill up, you could get all your Christmas shopping done in one hit if you want to. Um, so go to kettleandtoasterman.co.uk or head to their shop in Thorns Road in Briley Hill. Right, now back to AJ in the beer garden. Sorry about that, I'm back. He's no. back. Oh, no worries, no worries. Man, I've been breaking my neck for about the last 10 minutes, sorry. <laughs> it's when I come outside, you know what it is? It's always the same. Fresh air. When you're inside, you don't need yeah. a wee, do you? And then as soon as you come outside, you need a wee, and that's where yeah. I was at. So. <laughs> Just go for no. before that retirement question. Luke. Yeah, yeah, not cool. Um, AJ, yeah, you spoke of um, a bit earlier about how you felt you probably could have retired a couple of years earlier. Presumably, you wanted to play play on, and, and that's why it happened, and you tried to... to well, you on. do. Yeah, you do. You, you, I mean, you listen to any old pro, you never want it to end. I mean, it is, without a shadow of a doubt, the best job in the world. It, it ain't a job. You know, it's the best... You get paid to play football. I mean, could you imagine what that is like? I mean, you know, you get paid to be fit. You get paid well. Knock around with the lads. Play football. You, you, you share a room with 25, 30 guys who's very similar to you every day. Um, it's the best It's the best thing in the world. And, of course, you don't want that to end. And, and I was no different. And I, it, I probably should have retired, to be honest. I mean, looking at my career after I'd left the Albion, um, I probably should have knocked it on the head. And, and like, even now, I'm, I'm, what am I now? Nearly 50. And uh, I'm just about to probably go in for a knee transplant because it's it's shot to pieces um and that's the reality of it um you know but you you don't want it to end and and if i have to have a knee transplant at 50 and i got that four years extra albeit it wasn't a great part of my career i'll take that all day long you know and it it had nothing to do with money because i I had insurance i could have took the insurance it wasn't a money decision it was a, a pure footballing decision that I, I, you ask anybody about me, I love being around the lads. I love the dressing room. I love the crack. I love I love playing football. I love football. It's it's my life. It's been my life since I was a child. Um, still a child, but, um, you know, it, you just never want it to end. You absolutely never want it to end. And when it when it does end, it's it's very difficult when it ends. You know, it's, it's quite tricky. And that transition of going back to normal life is, is really hard. And it's... Yeah. Boring, you know. Yeah. My, my missus at the time, she didn't get that I was super gluing her shoes to the wall. She didn't understand why I was doing it. You know, <laughs> I'm like rolling around on the floor thinking it's hilarious, and she's like the bootins or the boutons, whatever they're called. You know, I'm like, hey, you know, that's um, what that's what old pros say, isn't it? They miss the the day to day camaraderie. Of- it is, and you know, it it, it uh, Brunty and Moz's testimonial game the other week. I mean, I only played four minutes, 
but the whole day was incredible. It just, it made you feel like you, you were one of the lads again in the dress room. And, you know, it was just, it just, I just, when I look at my face, I just smile about it when I, when I, when <laughs> I think about it. It's great. And I mean, the closest thing I've got to that now is I'm back at the club and, you know, I'm, I'm in the lounge with you guys and you have to put up with my banter and, you know, the, the, the laughs and the jokes. And, you know, sometimes I'm feeling a little bit worse for wear, you know, but uh, <laughs> sometimes, yeah, it's, all it's, the time. OK, most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a difficult, it's a difficult bridge, you know, to, to cross. Um, and, it's, and it's a difficult transition. I'm lucky that I've got a career now and, you know, I've gone on to other things. Um, but a lot of players don't, you know, a lot of players ain't got anything to get, get up for. They, they don't get up, you know, and, and, and that's difficult. And that's something that I need, I think needs to be addressed. I mean, I retired when I first, when I first finished, I retired for, for a year and it was the worst year of my life. Absolutely the worst year of my life. Hated it, you know, yeah. but um, yeah, it's, it, it's one of those really that you kind of just, you kind of just have to deal with it and get on with it. You know, yeah, yeah. you need good support around you to help you through it because mentally it's quite quite a struggle at times. I'm, I'm going to pick you up just for a bit more detail on that in a sec because I think it's really interesting. But Johnny um, has compiled our script and uh, and he touches on, I don't know how much truth is is in it, but you had a little flirt with your boyhood club, Bristol Rovers, did you, before hanging them up? I did, yeah. Yeah, and they didn't... Uh, well, it was all done because I played with uh, Paul Trollope with Wells. And I can't remember who was his number two now, but he thought that I was after his job, 12's job, and I wasn't. I'd just <laughs> love to have worn a, a Bristol Rovers from my dad, really, more than my dad and my brother. You know, not yeah. necessarily for me at this point. I'm a Baggins fan already, so, you know, but I'd have loved to have gone back there. But in the end, I ended up signing for Kings Lynn because my old youth team manager, Keith Webb, was the manager at Kings Lynn, and he asked me to come over. And I said, yeah, of course. You know, so I went over. I was an assistant manager, player, um, yeah. you know, and uh, I went that way because I couldn't get the Rovers deal over the, over the line. It was done. Yeah. It was only oh, I can't remember who, who his number two was now. It don't matter anyway. But yeah, just uh, just briefly on that, I suppose. How how were the trials and tribulations of non-league then? Uh, it was difficult, and and like I said, in the end, I, I I had to leave it where it was because you know we had a an owner of a club who was a total crook, who wasn't playing the players and was promising me that they'd be paid next week, and he wasn't paying them. Then he was in the lounge after the game, talking about how much champagne and. You know, he drunk the weekend in his cars, and these these lads relied on that money to pay their bills and pay yeah, yeah. like that. And in the end, I just said, look, I, I can't do this anymore. It, this is a, a, a that's a shit show. I said, you know, and if this is what this this level of football's like, and I believe not every club, but I believe it is quite reliant upon, you know, heavy backing. Um, so I left and I resigned and walked out, and I've never been back in football since. To um, take you back to a couple of points ago where you were talking about the, the year after finishing and how you retired and it was the worst year and how, how a lot of um, pros find it hard when, when they're suddenly out of it. I mean, I suppose there's, there's the PFA, isn't there, and then now, and but I, I don't well, know the, about The PFA that. was there then. Yeah, it was there then, yeah. I, how how did, did you see other lads around your age and era struggle post post playing and but yeah you read about it all the time in the paper don't you you know yeah, it's yeah. It, the, the pfa are great don't get me wrong but they're not there in the mornings when you wake up and there's nobody around you know and and your mates have all moved back to where they come from um so you're stuck on your own and the mates you have got locally are all at work till five o'clock i mean my my and i was always up early so my day i'd be up at half past five i'd watch the news until it rolled around um you know started doing the loop and then I started watching Frasier or, or, you know, something like that. And then Homes Under the Hammer when that finished. Um, you know, uh, I used to watch, what was his name? He got kicked off the telly. Jeremy Carl. Jeremy Carl. I used to watch Jeremy <laughs> Carl. Um, and then I'd take the dog, my dog out for a walk, Frank. And then I'd go to the supermarket every day. And I'd bump trolleys on purpose with somebody just so I could have a chat with somebody. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I'm all the time looking at my watch thinking, hurry up five o'clock, hurry up five o'clock. So my mates have finished work. So like you can have a beer and, you know, have a chat and, and just enjoy someone's company. You know, and uh, and that that was what it was like. It was it was shocking, really, really bad. And you know, the PFA are there and they're there to help, um, but they're not there all the time. You know, yeah. And that's that's the difficult thing. Before um, before we get on what what what's next, what was next for you? Um, and you've touched on it, but but Wales and, and your international career and and your caps. I mean, it'd be remiss not to talk about that and. That must be something you're very, very proud of and you cherish. Yeah, well, I didn't find out that I was, well, I ain't Welsh, really. I mean, my <laughs> name was, was born in Wales. That don't make me Welsh. Um, nobody spoke to 
my brother in Bristol for weeks when they found out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was a, a proud moment getting your first cap and things like that. It was it was an incredible moment for me, um, and I loved it. Really, really loved it up into the point where we played in the playoff final against I think it was Russia. I got man of the match out in Russia, and then I was dropped uh, for the home game, and I couldn't believe it. So I just said, "That's me done. I'm retiring." So I retired yeah. from Welsh, Welsh football. Yeah. Um, at that point in my life, in my career, I, I couldn't be bothered with the politics of it. You know, I was too old and I hadn't seen my daughter on her birthday since she was like up, up to the age of eight or nine. So I thought, I'm not missing another birthday. If you're going to treat me like that, I'm going to go back. I'm going to save my legs from a football club who pay me day in, day out. Yeah. And I'm going to go and save myself for them. And, and you know, and I'll, I'll see my daughters because things were more important to me then than in playing for Wales. But yeah, yeah, I had a great time there. Loved it. Loved I think it. you won 15 caps and just uh, you spoke of a memory there about playing so well in that game. But what, what else sticks in your head about maybe some players you played with? And Well, we played we played um, Brazil against uh, against Brazil in the Millennium Stadium. We opened the, the, the stadium uh, oh, wow. first, first to play in there with the roof closed. Uh, Wales were in uproar because obviously Welsh is a massive rugby nation. They don't really like football. Um, well, they do. They're not too bad with it, but you know, it's more rugby than it is football. Yeah. So yeah, they they went tits about that. But um, yeah, you know, they had sort of Roberto Carlos, Rivaldo. I mean, I had to play against Rivaldo, who was World Player of the Year. Then, you know, you can imagine, can you, the the sort of Brazilian team that they they they, they had. Um, yeah, and playing against Portugal, Rui Costa, probably the best midfielder I've ever played against ever. I mean, he was sensational. Um, you know, so. Yeah, some some really fond memories. Jeez, like, obviously, sort of, you know, you had sort of Gary Speed, God bless him, and, and what a player he was, you know, and yeah. and, and other players that uh, that I played with and played against. But uh, had some great times there, and you know, and everyone gives Gordy a lot of stick, especially the Albion fans, and you know, rightly so for that. But you know, I'll be forever grateful to Gordy for giving me my my international debut. You know, and uh, like I said, I retired, and then we played Arsenal. That year at Highbury, and John Toshak took over, and he, he come and said, "Look, I want you to come back, come out of retirement, and come and play." And I said, "John, I've had enough. I don't, I don't want it. I don't want to play yeah. for Wales anymore." And when uh, we touched on your retirement and how it was a struggle for a bit, but um, you know, your, your life went on, and you turned to other things. I just talked to to us and the supporters through that AJ about what you know, what was there for you, what you turned to in the. But well, basically, I went back to school and retrained. It, it, yeah. Different thing. You know, you, you have to, you have to sort of adapt your your life, and and I retrained and I worked hard, and it's it's different, it is different, but you know now I work, um, and and I love it. I'm, you know, I work a lot harder now than I did when I was playing football. I mean, you know, I'm 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 still the same in the mornings, quarter past five. I'm first in the office, and you know, and and you know, one of the last to leave. You know, and it's it, but. I love it, and and like I said, if you know me, you know that when I put when I go into something, I do it a hundred percent wholeheartedly. There ain't no, there ain't no oh, little bit here, a little bit there. It's it's everything or nothing, you know. And uh, and that's 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 where I am now, and and I, I wouldn't change. I, my life's probably better now than it than when I play football. I'll be honest. I, I mean, it's I've, I own my life now. Yeah. Um, in as much as I can do what I want when I want. Um, you know, but at the same time, um, you know, I, I love what I do as well. It's different to playing football, um, but it's it's great. I absolutely love it. But you'll love that. You'll love that office crack and being around people the same way you love being in the dressing room, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, it's great. You know, it really is. I mean, we we have we have a laugh. We've got some great lads, and, and you know, we try and have a good crack when when the time's right, and, and just like football. It's you know when the time's right, let's have a laugh and a joke. But when it's time for you know yeah. let's do the business, you've got to go and do the business. And yeah. you know there's a time and place for everything. Yeah, and just closing my section off, Andy. Um, you've touched on it already, but the the work you do now in in the football regards the media and the, and the comms and the co comms. Yeah. Just uh, I mean, how how did it come about for you? And uh, and I know you love it. Um, Martin Swain was the director of media, wasn't he? And um, yeah. Swainy asked me to come back to the club and. I can't remember what year it was now, probably about three years ago. I think we were struggling a little bit in the Premier League and he just wanted to put somebody in there who would inject a little bit of life, a little bit of, little bit of spirit, I think, and see if that had an effect. And um, since then, I mean, you know, that that's 
So it's what I do. And it's and again, it's you know, like I said to you, with everything I do, I, I never see it as a job. You know, anything I do, I do. It, it ain't really work. It's I do it because I love it. You know, and and that's everything I do. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it. You know, and and uh, and I'm traveling. I mean, I travel all over the bloody place anyway. But then having the, I mean, luckily the lads drive me to the games and stuff like that. Usually I'm asleep in the back of the car, to be honest. But, but you know, it's it's a lot of travelling. But I don't see it as, as work. You know, I love, again, you know, I sit there and talk about football. I mean, what is there not to love? I mean, it's great. As, as, was it interesting initially um, working from the media side as opposed to the one being out there on the pitch? Yeah, you, you kind of, I mean, my language can be a bit choice, um, you know. But it, you kind of have to sort of press the... The button and change a little bit and switch into that mode, um, which is fine because if you've got kids, then you'll understand that when you're at work, your language can be quite choice. But then when you come home, you press the button and yeah. it's, you know, dad is home. Are you kids? Are you? you know, so, so you're kind of uh, you're kind of doing it with uh, your dad's head on rather than your your lads. Dad's instead of lads. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. your media head. And, and would you, because you've been a... You know, being a player, you would, I, I guess you wouldn't necessarily want to read terrible things written about you or yeah, terrible things people might say. So, do, do you have that? Do you, do you be wary, try and be wary about what you may be saying? Or are you just, well, I'm, I'm, I'm employed by the football club, so yeah, yeah. you know, I, I have to be honest, yeah, but I always have to be um, respectful and, and never bring the football club into disrepute. I have to be respectful to the players. Um, because I have to interview them for you know the proper podcast that we do, um, you know, and and you know I see them on a on a week to week basis. So instead of saying things like, "How did you miss that?" <laughs> I would say something like, "He'll be disappointed he missed that. He's better. He's, he'll know that you should have scored that goal yeah, or yeah. That, that opportunity." So it's about wording really more than, yeah. and it's about how you say it, you know, and and it's there's no sort of nastiness in my voice or anything like that when I say it sometimes there's disappointment um but no, no real nastiness that you know that, that they're going to be offended by I'm sure yeah absolutely well mate that's quality uh, I believe Johnny's got uh, another section to round us off so thank you cheers Eddie. Very, in, very interesting one just final one couple of minutes we've got some just quick fire questions how well you actually know your Albion career so we've got a couple of a few questions for you. I'm going to start with this one. Um, we mentioned that that beautiful lob against Birmingham back in the, yep. the 1-2 season. Yeah. But your first goal for Albion came a few weeks earlier than that. Um, do you know who it was against? Barnsley. Correct. One out of one. I didn't one. score that many. That's... <laughs> great start. That's a great start. Uh, that season, the top score... Yeah, Despite the fact you went up, obviously we said you, you won one 0 most weeks. Top scorer scored twelve in all competitions. Who was the top scorer that season? Got to have been Jason Roberts. No, Scott Doby. Was it Dobes? Oh, Doby. Yeah, but Dobes scored all twelve in about the first five games. Yeah. And then, again. And then Jason <laughs> Roberts got injured, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, the following season, two thousand two, three. Um, you know, goals as we. When teams go down, goals are hard to come by. Um, your first game, the first goal for Albion that season came in a three-one defeat at Leeds, which I believe you were involved in. Do you know yeah. who scored the goal for Albion? Midfielder. Kumas. No, Lee Marshall. Oh, was it Lee Marshall? Lee Marshall. Because he had a fallen out with Mango, didn't he? Oh, did he? Apparently so. I don't know. Yeah. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the more PC stories. One of them will file under that. One for the um, book. That one. For yeah. Hey, did your final league appearance for Albion? Can you remember who that came against? I think this answer's correct. My final league appearance for Albion. Charlton. Newcastle. Huh? Newcastle. Newcastle, was it? Yeah. Away? Not sure. Was that I just got new... Probably, yeah. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> and one, this was uh, my last game. Yeah, one final question before you let you go. Um, you scored one Premier League goal for Albion, February 2003. Oh, I'm yeah. sure you remember it well, against Bolton. Um, yeah. I'm going to ask you, who put, it was a, there was a cross in the box, it was flicked on and you put it home at the back post. Who crossed it and who nodded it on? No idea. 
<laughs> Have a guess. Uh, We've talked about both of them tonight. Uh, I've got no idea. We've talked about no. it quite heavily as well. Jason Kumas? No. Your old, your old mate whipped it in. Jonathan Greening. Gregan. Oh, Green's whipped it. What yeah. was he doing out on the wing? <laughs> <laughs> and who flicked off. it on? One of your big centre-halves. Oh, Moro. Moro. Moro the flick on. and then a, I think it was a left, cultured left. Flick foot. On. He went to score. <laughs> <laughs> AJ, we've kept you flying. I'm going to ask you just this one question. What does West Brom mean to you? You know, you're still affiliated with the club. What does, it, what does West club. Brom mean to you? My club. You know, I, I support the club. I'm, I'm, I go... I'd go home and away if, even if I wasn't working there. It's it's my football club. It means everything to me. Absolutely everything. Cracking. AJ, we've kept you for, for a while. Thanks very much for your time. You've been so Thanks, generous man. for your time. Thank Great you to talk to you. All the Thanks best. We'll see you very soon. Thanks, Have AJ. Good, see you at Reading. Cheers, AJ. Bye there. Bye bye.